Welcome to the Finding Life Teaching Podcast, where we lead people to find life in Jesus through teaching the Bible. Last episode, I talked about a sentence from um, God's Word that drastically changed my prayer life. And I didn't uh, talk any more about how it drastically changed my prayer life. Um, and that was on purpose because this episode was coming. And um, those of you that did listen, um, maybe you would expect, you know, something along the lines of it drastically changed my prayer life. It, it, it resulted in a, in a, a thousand percent greater answered prayer and seeing God do, do these amazing miracles and, and nothing ever went wrong anymore, quite frankly, or maybe cynically. Um, that's what sells books. That's what gets you to to um, buy books off the shelf. That that um, what I would be promising would be, um, you know, God's ability to answer prayer in the way that you wanted Him to answer prayer. And quite frankly, that's no God, um, because if God answered prayer exactly how we always wanted Him to answer prayer. <laughs> He wouldn't be God because we would then be God. Um, instead, he utilizes prayer in our own life to change us into his image and change our minds into his mind and our hearts into his heart. And I've actually had a long, uh, complicated, it's complicated, um, relationship with prayer. In fact, I've, I've intentionally, and I will intentionally leave out uh, verses about like when Jesus talks about, you know, when you know, whatever you ask for in prayer, God will um, answer, God will give you, you know, things like that. Because um, <clears throat> I didn't want that to be, um, well, I, actually, I've, I've, I've had a difficulty with those verses and how we've utilized those verses and and, and, and mis, misutilized things like Ephesians 3.20, where, you know, oh, if you just ask and pray and, and and whatever you you ask for and pray god will give you immeasurably more if you ask for a certain amount of people to come to your event or a certain amount of money to come in into in your campaign a campaign god will give you x plus y or x times y that's not what god is saying in ephesians three twenty. god's saying that he'll do immeasurably more than what you ask or imagine inside of you and see, human nature or inside American culture or whatever, you know, up into the right type culture where we want to see results and we want to see God answer our prayers exactly and beyond that we could ever imagine. What happens when we pray and nothing happens? Or kind of what I felt like I experienced, I would hear these things and and um, teachers and preachers and, and, you know, get specific in your prayer. And it seemed like the more specific I would get in my prayer, the less it would happen. In fact, it seemed like the opposite would happen. And back back in 2011, specifically, um, I got so disenfranchised to prayer. I was driving. I didn't know exactly where I was. I was driving on chestnuts about about at scenic those of you in the springfield area um where the thought flooded me if if i keep praying and the opposite keeps happening why even pray 
Why even pray? I mean, really? What's the point? What's the use if, if, if what I am asking for, the opposite is happening? Why do it? And then the next thought come, came flooding in because really this is the most logical next step. If I'm not going to pray, then why God? Why do this God thing? Why keep following? Why do this? And I don't know when it was. I don't know if it was the next day. I don't know if it was... It was fairly soon after that. I remember where I was. I don't remember the exact timeline. I was in my house. It was in the morning. I came across this section of verses that, again, drastically changed my thinking of prayer. Hebrews 5, 7 through 10 during his, during Jesus' earthly life. Jesus offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who is able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reference. Okay, so here, here, here we've got Jesus praying. He's praying to the one who could save him from death. And he was offering prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears. So when was this? When was this? This was at Gethsemane, Right? This was that Gethsemane where we're, 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 we're hours away from the death of Jesus, from the crucifixion of Jesus. We're, we're, we're right on the cusp of him being arrested and going through this mock trial, uh, trials. And he's praying. He's praying. He, was, he is so anguished that he is, his capillaries have burst and he's shedding blood out his pores like sweat. This is how anguished he is. I've never gotten there, right? Chances are you haven't either. And he's offering these prayers and these appeals with loud cries to the one who saves him from death. And he was heard. But here's the deal. If you laid out snapshots, if you laid out snapshots to somebody, non-believer even, if you're a non-believer listening in on this, think about this. If you laid out snapshots, starting with the Garden of the Gethsemane, where, where Jesus was praying for God to save him any other way, Lord, Father, please figure it out, right? If there's any other way. Snapshot there. And then you took a snapshot of him being arrested. And then you took a snapshot of, of him being in front of the religious leaders in trial. And you took a snapshot of him being in front of Pilate. And a snapshot in front of Herod. And a snapshot of back in front of Pilate and the religious leaders. And a snapshot of him being flogged. And a snapshot of the crown of thorns being driven into his uh, head. And a snapshot of, of, of the crowds yelling, crucify him. And a snapshot of him, him, him carrying the cross um, the, the crossbeam to uh, Golgotha, and, and a snapshot of him fainting on, uh, underneath the, the power of that of that crossbeam and, and the weight of that crossbeam because he lost so much blood and, and so much torture and so much torment, and, and and then a snapshot of the nails being driven into his his wrists and his and, and his feet, and a snapshot of him hanging on the cross, and a snapshot of of him him crying out it is finished and, and a snapshot of the the spear being driven through his side and a snapshot of him being taken down off the cross and a snapshot of him being put into the tomb and a snapshot of the the tomb being closed and the snapshot of saturday when 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 the when the tomb was silent and the tomb was still closed 
and he was still in the grave and he took a snapshot of right before the stone was moved away because the moment before it was moved away, it looked just like it did on Saturday. If you lined out all of those snapshots and you asked somebody, hey, did the one he was praying to hear him? You looked at all those snapshots from the time he prayed to the moment before the tomb moved. The stone moved. And you looked at all those snapshots. And you didn't know the end of the story. You, you, you were asked, was he heard? And you looked at all those snapshots and you said, no, he wasn't heard. God did not hear him. Father did not hear him. Look, he's in the grave. See, what happens is we look at our current snapshot and the snapshots leading up to our current snapshot. And we forget that our life is a motion picture and not a snapshot. See, a motion picture is a series of snapshots, right? 30, 30 snapshots a second or... 60 snapshots a second. Our life is, is a motion picture, not a snapshot. But we have a hard time not just seeing our life as a snapshot, especially the snapshot of this one moment in time and all the snapshots leading up to this one moment in time. And if you've prayed for God to rescue you, and then since then, Things have gotten worse and worse and worse. And you find yourself in a figurative grave because things have gotten worse. And you're looking at your snapshot. You're going, where's God? Where is he? He's not hearing me. But from Hebrews 5, 7, I want, want you to get, God wants you to get, Jesus experienced the same exact thing. He cried out to God to save him. But every snapshot after that moment for another nearly 48 hours did not or over 48 hours did not look like God heard him. But then in a moment in an instant, the stone was rolled away, and up from the grave, he arose. Right? All of a sudden, we see that God, God had in mind the entire motion picture, and he was working something greater than if he would have answered Jesus in that moment in the garden. And the same exact thing is happening in your life. Because Jesus, as we've seen in previous episodes, that Jesus is a great high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses, who can empathize with what it's like to go through this life, including being in the grave, and including having these series of snapshots that looks like that God not only is not hearing, but the opposite is happening since you prayed. Jesus knows what it's like to experience that. Jesus knows what it's like to experience that all the way to death. And in verse 8, 
Hebrews 5.8. And this this verse, I mean, every time I read it, I am just, I'm floored by it. In one instance, I don't get it. In another instance, I do. And, 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 and it shows the brilliance of God in this, in this entire design plan of his. It's brilliant. Although he was the son, although Jesus was the son, Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. I mean, come on. Jesus is God's son. He is God. And here the verse says, it is in the Bible. So, so we got to figure this out, right? The verse says he learned obedience. What, how on earth can the son of God, how on earth can Jesus, God himself, a personhood of the Trinity, learn obedience. What? But then, kind of think about it. Jesus' existence had always been at the right hand of the Father in heaven, right? Had always been in heaven. Had always been in the throne room of God. That's, that's, his, that's his entire existence. And then one day, he stepped out of heaven, became a zygote, and put himself into Mary's belly, becoming human. The one thing that he cannot experience in heaven is suffering, right? He can't experience suffering in heaven. It is not possible. And if he's going to be the high priest that empathizes with everything we can experience, he cannot be up in heaven and experience suffering he has to come down to earth and put on flesh and become a person to be able to experience what it's like to learn obedience through suffering. And so what I got in that moment was that, you know what, if Jesus had to learn obedience through suffering somehow, some way, in this grand, brilliant plan of God, then why on earth would I not have to go through the same thing, right? But our culture is suffering adverse, right? We, we go through these things and we're like, oh, how, how can we get back to comfort? When God's going, look, yes, comfort is comfortable. Absolutely. But it's hard to learn obedience and comfort. It's hard to learn obedience to me and comfort. My own son had to do it through suffering. And the suffering isn't just for suffering's sake, right? There was a why behind it. After he was perfected, after Jesus was perfected, and that with the, another statement within itself, you go, whoa, really? <laughs> I mean, come on. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus became the source of eternal salvation. There was a greater purpose. There was a greater purpose at play for Jesus' life than just sending him through this suffering just for suffering's sake. There was a greater purpose that God was doing in his life to delay the response to Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He delayed the response, and there was a greater purpose behind that delayed response than just going through the suffering and going through the suffering to learn obedience. He was going through the suffering and, and learning obedience for a greater purpose and a greater calling and that calling on Jesus life was to become the eternal salvation the source 
of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And that it was the unique call on Jesus' life. That call is taken. That role is taken. Only Jesus can have that. But at the same time, there is a unique call on your life. And there is a unique call on my life to point others to this eternal salvation. There's a unique call that God is using suffering and the learned obedience through suffering to lead you towards. It's not to go through it just to go through it. It's not because God is this sadistic king. In fact, quite the opposite, right? He's the daddy king. But he also has a plan and purpose for you in his kingdom that only you can play and only I can play. And he gets us there through the learned obedience through suffering. Prayer, it's an odd thing. I gotta, I gotta admit, it's an odd thing. I don't have it figured out. Um, I'm not great at it. I don't spend long swaths of time in prayer. But at the same time, over the course of a decade, I've become to enjoy it and realize how much life in my soul God gives me through prayer. Because I'm coming into his throne room. He's bringing his throne room down here into my life. But also, it's not about getting what we want and getting him as a Santa Claus in the sky to do what we want. That makes us God. But rather, we are following him and what he wants. And if it means a delayed response where it looks like everything is going in the opposite direction, then we say, I don't know where you're headed, but I understand and I have faith that you know the entire motion picture of my life, but also the entire motion picture of of the entire universe over the span of the entire creative time, creation time. And you're taking me through this for a purpose inside that motion picture. So yes, I will have faith. Even though right now it looks absurd that I have faith. I have faith that you resurrect things from the grave. And that just like you heard Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane and Jesus ended up in the grave, but Jesus ended up busting out of the grave. I have faith for the same type of timeline in my life it might not be three days it's probably going to be longer but i have faith in that type of timeline keep persevering in prayer because god sees your motion picture he has a plan he has a purpose it's not suffering for suffering's sake but he does want you to learn obedience through it and he has a plan to bring you back out of the grave today's prayer god how are you teaching obedience through suffering? Thank you for listening to the Finding Life Teaching Podcast. You can find more content online. Our website is findinglife.me. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at findinglife19. If you like what you hear, a little bit of help goes a long way. Like, share, and comment through social, rate and review through iTunes, and finally, subscribe through your podcast player of choice.
What can help you take advantage of today's low mortgage rates and save money? Rocket can. You could save hundreds of dollars every month by refinancing with Rocket Mortgage at today's near historic low rates. If your current rate is over 4%, you could lower your payment by over $150 a month, saving thousands in interest every year. Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com. Savings are based on quick and loans, internal data. Points and fees may apply. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS consumer access.org number 3030.